We'd like to salute Mr. Uh, Francis Wharton, who is a hard, tough uh, Canadian. Uh, he's a British Columbia trapper. He lost his dental plate during one of his long treks in the bush. He shot a deer, glued its molars together with household cement, stuck them in his mouth, and then ate the animal with his with its own teeth. again to you. It says the Canadians admire success, but believe it should be earned. They are resourceful people. When Francis Wharton, a British Columbia trapper, lost his dental plates during one of his long treks in the bush, he shot a deer, glued its molars together with household cement, stuck them in his mouth, and then ate the animal with its own teeth. And there's a lesson in that for all of us. Somehow that sounds symbolic. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, you know, that that that, uh, that reminds me, uh, Tony, uh, how are you on, on, uh, on Radio Ancient Trivia? Well, I, I, this is not a show. We aren't doing anything about trivia. But that story reminded me of something. What character on what radio show was referred to continually? He never appeared. He was talked about. He was the boss, in fact, of one of the characters in the radio show who did appear. And he always talked about his boss. And he, he would say occasionally about his boss. He says, well, you know, he, uh, he pulls his own teeth. Who was that? And it, that, that, to me, that was always been my idea of a very, really tough guy. You could just see the boss that they're pulling his own teeth. And, and, in fact, there was an episode when uh, this character in the show uh, was telling his wife about this. And he says he had a bad day at the office. And he says, she said, what happened? And he said, well, uh, Mr. X called me in his office. And uh, he wanted to talk about that new uh, accounting system we're putting in the plant number 12. She said, what's wrong with that? He said, well, he was pulling one of his teeth at the time. And uh, while we talked, he had these pliers. <laughs> he was pulling his tooth. <laughs> Now, what, what character was that? Well, now, I, I, I hate to bring up an unpleasant subject here, uh, uh, really. I, I hate to do it, especially since, you know, this is a Saturday night and you don't want to hear about unpleasant stuff. But uh, I, I don't find uh, used teeth particularly unpleasant. I had, I had an uncle, as a matter of fact. I remember when I was a little kid, my uncle Tom, he was a big, fat guy. He had a tremendous bay window. And uh, he was the kind of guy who not only has a bay window, but always wears a vest. He had a vest. He would always be in a suit. I can't remember him in anything other than a suit. He's like uh, like Nixon. You can't imagine Nixon in anything other than a suit, can you? <laughs> He's always got a suit on. Well, uh, here was... Here was uh... now, now, on the other hand, there are other presidents you don't think of that way. For example, I always think of uh, Kennedy, the late Jack Kennedy, as always having a suit. But on the other hand, I always think of uh, Harry Truman as wearing one of those wild Hawaiian shirts. You remember that? that when you see pictures of him in these fantastic shirts, and he always had this great big white cap on. You remember that? That looked like a golf cap or something. And uh, so I never imagined him in suits. Although he, yeah, I guess he was always in suits. But uh, uh, somehow I was thinking. You, you think of a 
Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt has got this, uh, when I think of Roosevelt, I, I imagine him in your mind. Well, uh, I think of Teddy Roosevelt as wearing these high-water breeches all the time. And, uh, you know, with, with, he's got some kind of a khaki jacket. That's the way I always imagine uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I always imagine Wilson. Now, none of these presidents, of course, I don't remember any of them, but I always think of them in these ways. I always imagine Wilson as wearing a coat that has a fur collar on it. Now, I don't know why I see that, but he's got a fur collar on it, and he's, he's always outside. I always imagine him riding in some kind of an open carriage with a coat that has a fur collar on it, and he's got a high silk hat. That's the way I see him all the time. <laughs> now, 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 McKinley, now I don't even know whether I'd recognize a picture of McKinley, but I always think of McKinley as sitting there with a vest, and he's got cigar ashes on his vest. And he's smoking a cigar, and he's sort of fat. And he has a, did he have a mustache? I always see him with a mustache. I don't know. I don't know how he looks. Uh, can any of you uh, a picture in your mind today, right now, this minute, how Chester Allen Arthur looks? Would you recognize a picture of Chester A. Arthur? I would. You know why? The other day in my glove compartment, out popped a picture of Chester Allen Arthur in my car. And it was from last summer. Do you remember when all the gasoline companies were giving you uh, match-the-president games? You remember all that jazz? Whatever happened to all those games? You know? <laughs> You were supposed to win money and all that. I never did. You ever hear of anybody that won any money? I never heard. You know, but it was always a match the presidents, fill in the ding dongs, uh, collect the gold medals. Uh, you know, uh, match the ancient cars. And they had all kinds of these things. And I, I kept going to the gas station where every time I would buy gas, the guy would give me a picture of Chester Allen Arthur. So I finally says, Hey, I don't want no more pictures of Chester Allen Arthur. He says, Well, you might win the next time. I said, Well, why do I keep getting Chester Allen Arthur? There were other presidents. I mean, you know, how about giving me one of Millard Fillmore? I kind of like that picture. Or Andy Jackson. You know, that's a good, uh, lusty president for you. <laughs> By the way, he was the first president uh, to uh, invite all his friends to the White House to sit around and drink bourbon and chew tobacco. Uh, you know, the great Democratic uh, president. But uh, how do you picture, say, uh, Taft? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a very good picture of him, Tony. He has, a, he has glasses. Those little glasses are sticking his eye, you know. <laughs> listen, I'll tell you a story about that. Uh, you, you, you think, uh, listen, you think that, uh, that uh, a lot of people today probably think that they've got, they've got real pizzazz in the way they dress. Did I ever tell you about Stinky Davis, who was in school with me? Yeah, there was a guy, we had a guy, and he was, he was the uh, drum major, and he was unbelievable ego. I mean, you know, uh, whenever I see drum majors uh, today, uh, you know, you see these drum majors, the guy doing the twirling and all that stuff, I always think of Stinky Davis. Well, who was the prime, premier, national champion drum major from my high school band? And he was he was something else. He had first of all he had bad skin, and uh, yeah, it, it looked like a relief map of the island of Oahu. His skin, uh, which was you know not any of his fault, but the, <laughs> but he would preen. He would literally preen. You know anybody who preens? Well, Stinky Davis in our band room, we had a full-length mirror. I don't know why, but it was a full-length mirror in the band room. Well, Stinky Davis would stand in front of it with his baton, and he would turn from side to side and arch his back. He would literally preen. Well, so you can see why everybody called him Stinky Davis. He was, he was absolutely, a, you know, 
Uh, he was the most unloved guy that I ever knew, old Stinky. Well, one time, now here's what I meant by total hoodspot in dress. Stinky Davis, and this was in a history class, and remember, it was in Hammond, Indiana. Stinky Davis came to history class, and I was in the history class, Miss Bryfogle. He caused an uproar. Now, all of you people, you know, you think somebody who comes and wears long hair causes an uproar in your class, or he wears uh, bells, or, or uh, a chick comes wearing hot pants or something like that. That's nothing. You know what Stinky Davis wore to a history class one day? And it absolutely stopped. Oh, forget, the history was over for that day. And he just walked right in and sat down and just looked around. Stinky Davis came into an American history class in Hammond, Indiana, in my high school, in my junior year, and he didn't apologize for it even. He came in and sat down in a class wearing a monocle. You know what a monocle looks like? And it had a gold chain on it. And it came right down and, att <laughs> and attached to a button on his shirt. And uh, Stinky Davis had a little handle on the side of him, a little thing that stuck out. And Stinky Davis just sat down with a monocle. Well, now, a monocle was the kind of stuff they had in comic strips. That was always Lord Plushbottom or something. You know, that was a thing you laughed at. Well, of course, the, the class is in an uproar. Instantly. Stinky Davis sitting there with a monocle on. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he's the ace drum major. He's the national champion drum major. And he sat. He looked a little bit like Eric von Stroheim when he wore this thing. He had a real short cropped hair. And he's sitting there with his monocle on. Well, of course, the class is in an uproar. And finally, Miss Breifogel, who was uh, running the one in the class, she says, uh, uh, please, uh, Wilbur. His name was Wilbur. She says, Wilbur, would you take that thing out of your eye? You're causing the class to be an uproar. And uh, she, wasn't, you know, she wasn't asking to conform. She was just saying, take it out of your eye because the class is in an uproar. That's all. Wear the thing, okay. But, the, you know, the class is in an uproar. So Stinky Davis... He reaches up and he takes this thing with his pinkies like that, see? And he takes it out of his eye. And he turns around and he looked at the rest of the class with this totally withering look like, you slobs. He's laughing at my monocle. He looked around. We're sitting there. The whole class is feeling like, you know, like, like, like five cents waiting for change. And just looked around. And Miss Breifogel says, now we can continue with the with the uh, lesson this afternoon, you recall we were dealing with the Battle of Bull Run. That stinky sat there with the entire class radiating disdain for us. And then the bell rang. Uh, instantly, Stinky stands up and he puts his monocle back in his eye. Screws it in. You know how they'd screw him in like that? He screws it in with fantastic taste and gentility. And of course, immediately all the guys are, Hey, Stinky! Ha, 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 ha. And then he just walks out of that class, man. And I'll never forget that fantastic gesture of Stinky Davis and the monocle. So tonight. <laughs> now you think I'm inventing that story? I'm not. I'm not telling you the truth. And and uh, anybody who thinks they're really far out wearing granny glasses, I'm telling you, you ought to try sitting there smoking your pot wearing monocles. You, want, you know, just you, you don't wear monocles. You wear a monocle. Is that the way you see, Mr. Taft? sitting there with a monocle screwed in his left eye. Look at the food. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. That was very good. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, of teeth, 
and I, I might as well, uh, you know, pursue this uh, very unpleasant subject. Uh, speaking of teeth, uh, you know, uh, I, I just wonder how many people listening tonight are secretly scared out of their skull to go to the dentist. Really, <laughs> you know, really get nervous when the when the word dentist comes up. Well, well, uh, you know, uh, that's a that's a curious problem. I knew a kid, Dick Humbert, who liked to go to the dentist. And he would look forward to going there. Of course, he was a masochist. Uh, little did we realize at the time that we already had a sick kid in the crowd, you know. And he'd love to have the guys drill holes in his teeth. And uh, I, as a kid, I had a, uh, I had a very, very uh, traumatic experience with teeth. I'm not going to tell you the story, which I've told several times on the air. Just suffice it to say that uh, you're listening to a guy whose hobby at one time was collecting used teeth. Uh, I, I uh, collected used teeth. You've, uh, have you ever uh, seen used teeth, uh, Tony? You haven't? Well, you, you realize the dentists, you know, when they remove your teeth, or, you know, some dentists specialize in extractions, as they put it delicately. When uh, they pull teeth, something has to happen with those teeth. Well, uh, most dentists just, just throw them out. They put them in a wastebasket, and the next thing you know, a couple of days later, by, back at the office, there's a pile of old teeth. You know, just like any other, like uh, any other garbage, like, uh, you know, potato peelings and stuff. Well, one one night, uh, me and Schwartz coming up from school with Flick, we discovered back of the dentist's office this great collection of stuff. We couldn't believe it. I mean, it, this was a beautiful collection of things like uh, x-rays. They throw out all kinds of old x-rays. And uh, we started with x-rays, a collection of these little plates, you know. You look them up, you see a tooth in there. Well, uh, <laughs> I began to collect those, and there was only one short step to collecting used teeth. I mean, I had a tremendous... I kept them in a, in a Prince Albert can. And, they, oh, they were beautiful. I'd, uh, I, I had uh, molars. I had two cans. I had one can for regular teeth and another can for molars, you know, the big, big ones. And uh, some of those molars, you, you wouldn't believe it, Tony, some of them had 10, 15 roots on them. I mean, they looked like octopus. <laughs> and, oh, man, look at teeth. And uh, I, uh, we used to swap them back and forth. You know, I'd get one that had a, had a tremendous cavity on it, which was... Uh, uh, kind of, you know, it made it a little bit flawed, but it did have nine roots. So I would trade one off to Schwartz, you know, who had one without cavity, but only had three roots. And uh, we, we had all kinds of little uh, gradations of teeth. And I had a complete set of human teeth. I had, uh, I had canines and sizers. Uh, I had molars. I even had a few wisdom teeth. They're always good. And uh, I had some wisdom teeth. And I used to hide them under the bed which I will not even go into at this point. Uh, one, one day my mother was cleaning under the bed and she ran across these teeth and, uh, you know, then it hit the fan, as you probably know. And, uh, and uh, I knew secretly in my heart that I was doing something wrong saving you teeth. And uh, I was right. <laughs> she says, what is this teeth? Oh, what is this terrible? And I said, oh, they're teeth. Where would you get them? And I said, well, uh, I, I found them. Where would you get them? Where'd you get them? Well, she immediately realized that it was back of Mr. Smithers Dr. Smithers' office, who was two blocks down. And so she called him and made him come over and get his teeth. Have you ever had a dentist show up at your house wearing a white coat, uh, picking up his used teeth? Well, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it became a family legend. But, uh, you know, this uh, this kind of thing, you can you can go on and on about this sort of thing. And, and we've all had uh, sickening experiences in our lives. And uh, uh, I remember one time in the Army, you, know, you always hear about dentists. And uh, I've always, I always do good things happen to me, you know, in, in the Army, medical things. Uh, a dentist one day 
I was sent down to the dentist. And uh, you you must have gone to the dentist in the Army. And uh, so I went to the dentist there. And, boy, they don't mess around. I'll tell you, when they, <laughs> I mean, there's none of this, uh, you know, hanky-panky doesn't hurt, uh, none of this gentle stuff. I mean, after all, when you're going to fill 722 teeth before chow, uh, you, you get right at it. So uh, I walked in there, and I was, I was, you know, 17. I was just new in the Army, and, and uh, they had... Uh, taking a look at my teeth, and they decided I need a couple of fillings, see. So uh, I was used to going to the regular dentist. We had a family dentist, and you'd come in there, and you'd sit down, and you'd read the Reader's Digest, or you'd read the National Geographic, uh, and you had this nice office with the Muzak playing, and, and uh, there were always a couple of, of uh, nurses, aides, or walking around there. And when you'd come in, he'd say nice things to you. How's it going in school? And, uh, oh, my, my, oh, we have a little cavity here. This is our family dentist. He said, oh, this won't hurt now. Uh, you just relax. The music is playing. And he would spend a half an hour fixing the cavity and making sure. Oh, listen. I'll tell you. I, di- I discovered there's another way to do it. And um, I can't tell now at this point whether which is best, you know, really, Tony. So I walk into the dentist. About nine guys in the dentist's office in the Army were all sitting there on this bench in our fatigues. And so <laughs> one by one, <laughs> this this uh, PFC, there was no nurse involved. This PFC would come out and say, hey, all right, you're next, Mac, let's go. And uh, the, the guy in the end would go in, and wham, bam, and he'd come out again, looking a little confused, you see, that, staggering a little bit. Well, he went down through this line, and finally he comes to me, and he says, uh, let's go, Mac, come on. Doctor doesn't have all day. So I said, yeah, 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 okay. And so I walk into this office, and here's this, this captain. And they, very carefully, uh, you could see his captain's bar. So he, he wasn't just a dentist, he was a captain. So uh, I sat down in a chair. He says, open up, soldier. And I opened up my trap. He said, oh, boy. He said, all right, uh, uh, Fred, uh, uh, hand me the number three tray. And they, Fred over there, a, a corporal who was wearing a white coat, hands him this tray full of nut picks. Well, you know those nut picks, Tony. And with that, he says, open up, will you? Now open wide. And I said, yes, yes, sir. And he goes, <laughs> you know, with a nut pick. <laughs> And then he says, uh, well, hey, yeah, give me that uh, number two there. And he takes another one. And he goes, ah, he busts the place off by two, which is, you know, obviously he wanted to do that. And oh, I shudder all the way down to my feet. And I'm expecting at any moment for him to say, is it hurting? He never once did. He reached up and he took the drill. And <laughs> smoke is coming out of my mouth and out of my ears. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And with that, he packs this Google in it, and it's all over. I want to tell you, he filled those teeth in about a minute and a half. And uh, it was too quick to even hurt. <laughs> well, now, you're going to think he didn't do a good job. Well, let me tell you this. My dentist, I still have those fillings that he put in, and my dentist is always remarking, uh, my, my official civilian dentist, he always says, say, uh, he always forgets between times, saying, and I've been going to this guy for years. And he says, oh, say, I meant to ask you, who did these fillings here? And these two teeth in the front here. I said, well, uh, you know, they're very good. It's a, it's a very interesting technique. He's very, very good fillings. Well, I haven't had the heart to tell him it was in the Army. <laughs> you know, it didn't cost me a nickel. But uh, that was, uh, I, uh, uh, is it time to make a station break here yet? Well, oh, two minutes. That's all right. Listen, speaking of two minutes, uh, I'm, all, uh, I'm all excited to, to, that this is the day before the debut now, you have a, an assignment. This is an official assignment. This is the day before. This is uh, tomorrow is the debut of my television show, Tony. 
Yes, sir. And uh, you have an assignment now. Uh, you are assigned to watch it because it will appear on the final exam. I mean, I'm not going to mess around with you on this. I mean, you either, I mean, you either do it or you don't. In this class, there's no no goofing off. And it will be tomorrow and uh, Channel 13. And the time is 8 o'clock, Channel 13. And, uh, of course, it's coast-to-coast, nationwide. It's not just a local show. So if you're, wherever you are, look on your educational channel uh, Sunday night. That's tomorrow night, April the 11th, which is Easter, of course. And uh, you look uh, you look under your educational channel, and you will see it listed, Gene Shepherd's America. So I'm all excited about it. You know, speaking of uh, uh, Easter and all the rest of it, that uh, I, I remember one time talking about one of the craziest things I ever had happen to me in in uh, in the in the army, in the medical thing in the army. It's a weird scene, and this this actually is a true story. It happened to me. Uh, I was, I was, uh, this again, in basic, see, I'm in basic training, and, uh, and uh, one day, uh, this guy says to me, uh, uh, this, this was out on the rifle range, and he's, he's walking along, and he's giving out a form, see, he's giving forms, and uh, each one of us had to fill this form out when we were just sitting there waiting for our turn to fire, and it turns out that what the form is about is a, is a health thing, some kind of a health uh, form they passed out, like, uh, did you ever have any broken bones, uh, if so, where? Uh, did you uh, did you ever have any uh, serious communicable diseases? If so, what type? See, so I'm sitting there, and it was kind of raining, and I filled this thing out. And uh, he came back, this, uh, this first lieutenant, and he picked them all up, and he went on. Well, the next day, I'm standing out at the Reveille in the morning, and they start reading off a list of names. So the following guys are going to have to go down to the... Uh, the following guys are going down to the clinic... And uh, we're taking the company. Uh, we're taking the company by by platoons. Uh, guys in the third platoon are going to go down to the clinic and get their eyes examined. They have a special eye examination. You remember that thing? So, okay, you know, I, I was, you know, from the time I was a little kid, I had eye examinations. You always have them in school. So uh, I go down to the clinic, and there's a whole bunch of us sitting down there. All the guys from the third platoon, and this is W O R New York, and we're sitting down there waiting for our turn. Well, each they call two or three of us up at a time and take you into this room, and they have these machines. Of course, down at the other end of the room are the charts with the big E and the big F and, and the G's and the C's and all that stuff. So they, they, uh, they put you behind this machine, and they, they start adjusting things, and you start reading the chart. Well, I read this chart, get it all through, and the guy says, okay. He says, uh, all right, he says, uh, here, uh, give this to the corporal on your way out. So on the way out, I, I handed him this form that the doctor had filled out, and the corporal says, okay, all right. He puts it in the inbox. And that was the end of that for about a week. Well, I'm standing reveille again one morning, and <laughs> the first sergeant says, the following men's will go down to the, to the clinic at the 0800, and there'll be a truck out here at the early run to pick you up at 0800. The following men's will go down to pick up their glasses. The GI glasses will be issued down at the clinic. And he reads the name, and there was my name. I'm getting GI glasses. Which kind of surprised me. So I thought, oh, well, you know, what the heck? It's free. I don't care. <laughs> so I go down to the clinic, and I sit there. And I wait for about a half an hour. They're calling guys in. And they finally call me in, and the guy hands me a pair of glasses. Now, you've seen GI glasses. They look like granny glasses is what they look like. If you've never seen GI glasses, they're, you know, they're, they have a metal frame. And uh, 
They'd be very hip classes today. I mean, they'd be right in style. They're metal, vaguely air core shaped. Uh, you know, they, they look like the hip glasses today with, with metal rings. Oh, they're silver metal, though. And I want to say one thing about them. You never saw such corrosion. Every guy that wore GI glasses, any like the time, still today has a green stripe on his nose, and he's got green stripes behind his ears uh, because these things, and they permanently tattooed you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are guys that are still green from those things. But he has me the glasses, see, and I think he's going to fit them. Or something. I didn't expect what he did. He says, here's your glasses. He's not sign this statement here. So I had to sign that I got the glasses. See, I had to sign this receipt, so I signed the receipt. And I never had glasses before, see, so I signed the receipt. And he says, uh, all right, here, let me take a look at him. And he takes them out of the envelope, and he puts them on my head. You know, he puts them on me. And uh, this is the first lieutenant, some kind of an eye doctor. Well, he didn't give me an eye test, and I'm just standing there looking at him, uh, and I'm looking right in the eye, and he just takes a pair of pliers, and he bends them, see. He says, okay, he says, uh, now look up. Well, I look up. And I, I, I see everything's looking like cockeyed, see. So he says, uh, here, uh, give me give me them class again. He straightens out one of the little ear, uh, one of the little uh, nose pads, you know, he straightens it out. He puts my says, that feel better? Uh, yeah. Okay, next man, send in the next one, Corporal. I put my glasses in the little case, and I walk out in the street. Now I got glasses. Well, I was fascinated, see, so I... I, I take them out, and I put them on. Unbelievable. I could see nothing. It was all blurred. It was like I was looking at the world through the bottom of Coke bottles. It was a fantastic scene. It was all blurred all over the place. See? So I said, well, gee, you know, I guess you get used to them or something. So I put them back in a case, and I stuck them in my fatigues, and I go back to the, <laughs> I go back to the, I go back to the company area. Well, I go about my business. Well, along comes Saturday... And I'm standing inspection. They had inspection in the morning. See, every more, every every Saturday about noontime, we had this inspection. So Shepard's all sharped up. You know, he's got his class A uniforms on, and I've been I've been fixing my bed over about five times. And I got my shoes shining a whole bit, see, because uh, it, it was dependent on whether or not you passed inspection, whether you got your pass that, that you know for the weekend. So everything is sharp, man. Talk about motivation. I'll tell you, I had everything so clean. My belt buckles are gleaming. Because I got this date with this chick in town, and I, I ain't going to miss it. So I'm standing there. I got my gut pulled in, and they're walking past. And it's the uh, the CO, the captain. He's with the he's with the first lieutenant, the exec officer, and uh, with him is uh, our first sergeant, Kowalski. And they're walking past. He's got a big clipboard, see. So they arrive at me. They've gone through all the different guys there, and they would ask. Well, they had little tricks, like they'd ask you things, like a a soldier, and you'd say yes, sir. Now, give me a third general order. And uh, I will walk my post in a manner in a soldier manner. You know, that kind of stuff. Or they say, uh, soldier, uh, what's your uh, what's your rifle number? Quick. Come on. What's your SJ. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you can invent numbers. See, that's what I, I learned very quickly, that if you invent a number and say it out quickly enough, you're always okay. So I'm standing there looking sharp. And he stops in front of me, and you know, my brain is immediately, you know, ready to go. He's going to, what, what's going to ask me? The fifth general order, what? You know, I'm ready. What is he asking? Soldier? Yes, sir. Wearing them GI glasses they issued you down at the clinic. You're out of your uniform. Them GI glasses were issued you to wear. Now, where are them GI glasses? Uh, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. They're in my footlocker, sir. Put them on. They didn't give you them glasses for nothing. Those glasses cost about $25 a pair. Now, those are GI glasses they were issued to wear. Now, you put them GI glasses on, or you're not going to get no pass. 
Sergeant, put this man on report. Oh. Gee, I glasses. Well, I, I, I go back to my footlocker. See, he's waiting. So I go back to my footlocker, and sure enough, the, you know, under the, the bottom shelf, I lift up the shelf. And by the way, my footlocker was absolutely fantastic. You know that in the Army, they have a specific way you have to keep your footlocker. Right, George? Everything. I mean, it's all mesh. You can even you get a diagram that's in the Army Field Manual on how your footlocker is to be laid out. The socks in the upper right hand corner, all neatly, tightly uh, rolled up. Uh, your your uh, <laughs> your your razor has to be at a specific point, one and a half inches away from your comb. Uh, everything is all laid out. In fact, in OCS, uh, which is another story, in OCS, most of the guys have a footlocker which is only used for inspection. They buy all second stuff, and they glue it in the footlocker. Yeah, in basic, yeah, they glue it in there. And the, the actual stuff they use, you know, the real razors and socks are all piled in your barracks bag, and the footlocker's only for display purposes. You never touch any of that stuff. Yeah, it looks beautiful, see? So uh, Shepard's footlocker, oh, it's a picture footlocker, see? So uh, I, 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 I take the top tray off, and they're waiting, see? Take the top tray off, and there is a place in the bottom of your footlocker According to the Army Field Manual, where you keep your GI glasses if you have them. A little pl- there they were. Perfect. See? So I take out these damn glasses, and I pull them out, and I put them on. Well, I can't see anything. I can see nothing but, you know, the whole barracks is blurring now. It's like the bottom of a foot, of, of footlocker. So I walk over to the, to the end of the bunk, and I stand at attention. And the captain says, now, that's better. If I come past here the next week... We have any more inspections here. You're not wearing them GI glasses. You're going to get gigged, soldier, and you're going to sign a statement of charges for them. Now, you're wearing them GI glasses. And not only that, you're going to wear them GI glasses when we go out on on drill, too, because that's what they're for. Yes, sir. Gigged. Forget it. No pass today because of these lousy GI glasses. Well, they go on down the barracks, and I'm standing there. And in the meantime, I'm looking at the barracks. The first time I ever actually wore them for any length of time, and I was getting dizzy. I mean, the whole barracks is rocking. I mean, I got a headache, and a whole bit, you know, in about 30 seconds. So they go out of the end of the barracks, and I sit down on the bunk, and Gassy says, Boy, you booted that one, Mac. Ha-ha. Yeah, knock it off, Gassy, for crying out loud. What do you mean? I'm supposed to wear these lousy glasses now. Gas is laughing. Four eyes! <laughs> you know, four eyes! That's typical G.I. humor, you know. Just so, so beautiful and cutting, you know. G.I. humor is so creative. It reminds me a little bit of Jersey bowling alley humor, you know, that kind of humor. Four eyes! <laughs> four eyes! I laugh. No wonder you only scored 148 out on a range. <laughs> you know what? I've got four eyes, man. Well, I'm sitting there with these lousy glasses, and i got a headache that is splitting my head right down through the middle, see? And I'm very innocent. I never had glasses. I figured that that's the way glasses were, and you get used to them. So I take the glasses off, and instantly everything clears up. It looks groovy. <laughs> I mean, as I look around, the world looks great. So that afternoon, um, you know, I don't get the pass, so I go down to the day room, and I sit around. I'm eating candy bars, and I go down to the I go down to the uh, service club, and I have a beer. You know, I'm just killing time. It's the weekend now, and I'm on. I'm, on, I'm assigned the quarters, so the next morning I go out for breakfast. And by the end of the weekend, I had kind of forgotten these lousy glasses. I never wore them. Say, the weekend, you're cool. 5.15, Monday morning, I'm standing 
at Reveille, half asleep, with stubble on my chin, and my eyeballs are sort of hanging out. You know, 515's always rotten. I mean, it's kind of a cold morning, and I'm standing there, and, and the Kowalski's reading the roll. He's got this clipboard. And he finishes reading the roll. He says, all right, Eddie. Shepard, what did Captain say about them glasses? Why are them glasses? Glasses, glasses. He caught me off guard again. I was not used to it. The whole idea of glasses, you know. I said, uh, they're back in the barracks. All right, on a double, go back and get them glasses, and I want you to come out here. I want you to wear them glasses, and I'm, if I see you without them glasses, from here on in, you are going to spend a lot of time on your knees, Mac. Now get them glasses now. Yes, sir. So I run back into the barracks, and I get the glasses out. I put them on. And I start running out through the barracks, practically fall down the steps because I can't see a damn thing. I get out there, and everything is all blurred again. And I stand in line, and now we're going through the usual company routine, and that headache starts again. I got a headache, like, instantly from these glasses. Well, I figured I was going to get used to it. So I figure what I'm going to do is wear them. So I, I, I'm going to wear them. I'm going to wear them until I get used to them. So I go to breakfast. I want to tell you, I'm sitting there at breakfast time, and there were three, I had three bowls of Wheaties in front of me. Uh, I was looking for these glasses, and everything was blurred. Three bowls of Wheaties. I had nine cups of coffee all spread out. I mean, I couldn't, I would reach for the middle one. I figured that was the live one. Say, all the other ones were kind of like shifting images. What a headache. Oh, fantastic headache. Well, I went through the first half a day wearing these glasses. Unbelievable headache. And that afternoon, luckily, I got transferred. It was at the end of basic. All of us were transferred out. And I get sent about 5,000 miles away. And the whole scene of the GI glasses were forgotten. But it wasn't the end of the story. They're in my, my footlocker now. I'm carrying them around wherever I go. See, they were just there. They were part of my junk that I never used. For example, nobody has ever been known to use the Army razor that they give you. Do you know that the Army gives you a razor when you come in the Army? It's a curious little plastic razor. And they even give you a package of blades. I had never seen cardboard razor blades before. They were impossible to use. And this crazy little razor, well, you carry that with you all the time. It's just part of the joke. They give you a comb, you know, when you get in the Army. And it's one of these plastic combs with the sharpest teeth you ever saw. It's like a whole bunch of little needles, see? So you don't use that thing. That sticks in your barracks bag. Uh, they, they, they give you all kinds of crazy little stuff like that, which you never use. But you got to have it, see? So you're, you're signed out for it, and when they inspect you, you better produce it, man, or else, see? You know, you're not supposed to use that razor. You just produce it. Well, that was the way the glasses were. So I'd stick them in. I'd carry them from barracks to barracks and from company to company. I always had these. And they were beginning to get moldy. See, these glasses were made out of this silver metal, and they got green. <laughs> I mean, I never saw such terrible glasses. They were green, see? Well, it, it, have you ever had something in your life that you knew one day is going to cause trouble? And you keep putting it off? You keep kind of ignoring it? Uh, you know it's going to happen one day, and you just sort of keep ignoring it. Well, that's the way with these glasses. Two years go by, and now I'm assigned to a company... And I, I, innocently, I arrive in this new company, and I go back to my 
the tent, and I unload all my barracks bags and stuff like that. It's a new crowd, and I sit down on my bunk. You know, you get so that you're used to being in new companies all the time in the Army. And I, I go out, and I stand a couple of formations. And about the middle of the third or fourth day, a guy comes down from the orderly room. And he says, are you Shepard? And I said, yeah. Uh, the first sergeant wants to see you. I said, what? I said, don't tell me it lands my promotion. The PFC is coming through. So uh, I go down to the orderly room, and the first sergeant's sitting there, and he's got all my my forms out. So he's got all his stuff. You see a shepherd? And I said, yeah. So I'm looking at your, your supply form here. How come you got two field jackets? Two field jackets? Yeah, you're, you're charged out for two field jackets. I want you to turn one of them field jackets into the supply room. We need field jackets around here. Yes, okay. And by the way, I see you charge out with a pair of GI glasses. How come you're not wearing them? I've forgotten it, you know, for a long time. But these, I, GI glasses? Yeah, it's right here. you got a pair of GI glasses. I want to see them glasses. Bring them down here and check them out. Yes, Sergeant. So I run them back, and, and these glasses had drifted down to the bottom of my barracks bag with all kinds of crud, which I never used anymore, like money belts, uh, old broken cookies from Christmas two years ago, and letters from this chick that I was trying to get rid of, and all that junk down the bottom. So I go through these things. I, oh my, I, I figured, oh, no, tell them, I can't. I bet I can't find them. I thought, at first I was scared. Oh, you know, $22, they're going to charge me. You know, the Army charges you for all this stuff. Do you know that if you go to the mess hall and you're in the middle of a 20-hour session of KP and you drop a cup, you're the KP, and you drop a cup instantly, the mess sergeant, all right, sign a statement of charges, one cup. Why, I know many guys that have had KP and at the end of the day are behind the eight ball to the tune of $9, you know, just dropping cups and stuff. So I figured, uh-oh, I'm going to charge you $22 for my glasses. It would that it would have been that simple. So I dig into the, my barracks bag, and I found him. Oh, groovy, groovy. You know, I found him. So I figured he just wants to see if I got him. So I take him down to this damn orderly room, and I said, here they are, Sergeant. And he says, all right. He says, okay. He says, I'm checking out your equipment here. Listen, Mac, you better wear these glasses. I don't issue these glasses for nothing. You're going to wear the glasses because you're going to be a dangerous guy around this company. If you don't wear your glasses, obviously you can't see. Now put on them glasses right now. Put on the glasses. I had had these things on for two years, so I take them out of the case. There's a little metal case they come in, and they were green. I mean, green. And in the meantime, they had been carried so long in the bottom of the barracks bag that they were covered with a kind of film and crummy-looking thing. So I take them out, and I, I clean them on my field jacket, and I put them on instantly. The same thing happened. I could see the first sergeant. He became nine first sergeants sitting there, all shifting back and forth, and the papers... There, you know, I couldn't. Uh, there were at least fifteen tent poles in the middle of the tent there, right away. See, and everything is kind of blurred. And he says, "Now look, I don't know where you got away with it in other companies, but you're not going to get away with it in this company. You're going to wear them glasses. They issue the glasses. You're going to wear them. We go by the book. You play ball with us. We have played ball with you. We play fair in this company. And I want to tell you this: if you don't play ball," <laughs> So I go out into the sunlight with my glasses on again, and I knew it was going to have to come down to some kind of conclusion. 
because it was a little tiny company, and there was no way to hide. I mean, every time I knew this guy was going to nail me, every time he saw me without these lousy glasses. So I walked down the company street, and I get about halfway back to my tent, and that splitting headache starts. Fantastic headache. And I've got these glasses on, and I knew there was something. Now, at this point, my animal nature informed me something is wrong. Man, as an animal nature. So I'm walking down the company street, and everything is blurred and hazy. And I go back to my tent and I sit down. I've got this splitting headache. Finally, I figure the hell with it. i got to do something. So I go back to the orderly room, still wearing my glasses. I walk in and he looks at me and says, what do you want now? But, and I, I probably had that look on my face. I want to get to the, I want to get to the bottom of this thing. See, I said, Sergeant, I want to, I want to, I want to go to the clinic or something about my glasses. What do you mean you want to go to the clinic? Well, I want to go to the clinic. My glasses are are out of adjustment or something. I can't see with them. What kind of cockamamie story is this? The Army issued them glasses, right? Here, it says right here. You got them. Let's see. It was uh, Fort Monmouth, right? You got got the... uh, Look at that. It says right here. It's the same with a doctor. Now, you're trying to tell me this doctor don't know nothing? Well, I keep getting a headache. Oh, headache. He says, a headache. You've been in the Army two years. You can't think of a better one than that. That's the thing that the first year guys think, a headache. The least you could say is you got a backache. So you know they never can freeze a backache. Headache, don't give me that headache bit. Sergeant, i got to go to the clinic. I can't see with these glasses. Oh, what kind of... What kind of guy did he send me? All right. You fall out for sick call tomorrow morning. He says, I want to tell you one more thing, man. If you ain't got nothing wrong with them glasses, you're going to spend a lot of time on your knees. Yes, Sergeant. So I go staggering out into the sunlight, still wearing my GI glasses with a splitting headache that went all the way down to my feet. Have you ever had glasses that didn't work, friends? Nothing gives you a headache like that. So I'm walking out. I got a oh, what a headache. Well, the rest of the day, I got by by taking my glasses off, and I was always pretending I was cleaning them. <laughs> I'd take them off when anybody was around. Then I'd put them on when somebody would look at me, and I'd take them off again, cleaning them so all the time. So how can I say anything? So, I, you know, I'm sitting in the mess while I'm cleaning my glasses all the time, or I'd put them by, the, you know, next to me. Like I saw guys with real glasses do. They take their glasses off and they talk. So the next morning, I can hardly wait because this is going to be bad news. I stand revelly in my glasses. Again, the headache starts up like a like an ancient volcano. It would start, and boy, the headache—the kind of headache you get from these things—is right over, right over your eyebrows, and right at the bridge of your nose. You get a headache. Is that where the ocular nerve is, Jerry? Well, I don't know what it is, but man, I want to tell you it was a headache that was just like like 5,000 little hammers pounding away and inside of my head, and somebody was running a blowtorch. So I'm standing reveling, and the first sergeant's walked by. I says, all right, any of you guys want to fall off for sick call? I says, me. <laughs> me, sergeant. He says, oh, yeah, you, and I was ridiculous. Quite, all right, all right. He says, okay. So I fall off to one side. Well, at 8 o'clock that morning, the truck takes us down to the clinic. 
which was about a half a mile away. And I arrive at the clinic, and I'm waiting my turn. Well, I finally get called in, and here's the doctor sitting there saying, doing sick call that day. He says, well, what's your trouble, soldier? I said, well, I, I, I got these glasses, doctor, and, and, and uh, well, uh, yeah, I, the sergeant says I got to wear them all the time. That's right. You're supposed to wear your glasses. You get GI glasses. That's why we're, we we order these glasses for you. You're supposed to wear them glasses. But that's the trouble, doctor. I, I I wear these glasses, and I figured at first I'd get used to them, but but uh, they just uh, they just don't work. I mean, every time I put them on, I see nothing but blurs and stuff, and I and I don't what to do. Just let me take a look at your glasses here. Can you give me those glasses? So he takes the glasses and he holds them up to the light. You know how they do? They run it around like that. He looks up at the. He looks at him for about two minutes, and finally he turns, and in the next room, there were about nine little rooms in this clinic. There was a guy down there working on somebody's feet and a couple of other guys down there. So he says, uh, hey, Bob, Bob. Bob was another doctor, see. You never call him Bob if you're an EM, you see, but another doctor can do it. So he says, hey, Bob, come in here for a minute. So Bob comes in. He's got a white thing on. He's got a, you know, he's got a couple of these little shiny things on his head, and he says, Bob, why don't you take a look at these? Bob looks at it and says, he, he holds him up to the light, see, and he goes, wow. He <laughs> looks like that. Wow. He said, uh, are these yours, soldier? And I said, yes. And he says, uh, what's the trouble? And I said, well, I can't see through them. I, I, I put them on and I, I see nothing but blurs and I get a headache all the time. And he says, uh, well, sit down here for a minute. He says, come over here. So I go into the next room, and I sit down in front of one of those infernal machines. You know, the kind with all the little lenses that go in and out like this. See? So he sits me down, and he said, uh, oh, now tell me when the E gets in focus. I'm looking. I'd gone through this once before, see, so I'm uh, really wary now. I, I, <laughs> I said, now, now. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you see a red dot now? Yeah. So I want you to tell me when the red dot is lined up over the white dot. Now. All right. He's writing the stuff down. Uh, now, uh, I want you to tell me when, when it gets clearer now. Uh, uh, wh- at what point is it the clearest? And I'm looking through these sort of clear lenses. Keeps putting in ones I can hardly tell any difference. You know, he keeps putting them in. I find that one. I just took one in the metal, see. All right. Sit down. Now, uh, I want you to watch these lines. You see those lines in there now? You had a whole bunch of little parallel lines, see, that were kind of horizontal lines. He said, Now, I want, want you to tell me when they're lined up. And I noticed that the ones on the right were much lower than the ones on the left, see, they were all cockeyed. He says, okay. I'm looking in there, and I see the lines going up and down. Finally, he gets them lined up. I said, now, now. He says, hmm, hmm. So he finishes his examination, and he walks out, and he's talking to the guy next door. I'm sitting there, see, with my glasses there. He comes back, and he says, are you sure these are your glasses? I said, yeah, yeah. I signed a statement of charges for him. Yeah, they're my glasses. Don't take them. You know, $22. Yeah. He 
just let me see your... You have your medical form? He said, hey, uh, Charlie, can I see this guy's medical form? So he takes my medical form. He's looking at it. So what is it? Is your name... Is your name S-H-E-P-E-R-D? I said, no, it's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. He said, well, these aren't your glasses. He says, these are for, for some guy named Shepard. Howard Shepard, is your name Howard? I said, no. He said, well, how the hell, where did you get these glasses? I said, well, they gave them to me at Fort Monmouth. He said, well, you got somebody's glasses, friend. You don't need any glasses. He said, you got somebody's glasses. Then he started to get mad. A little touch of irritation, like I had done it. He said, what kind of stupid thing is this? You're coming down here with these glasses. I mean, he's an idea. Why don't you say somebody to something? Why don't you, you say something? All of it. I said, I, 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 I. Oh, he says, hey, Max, this stupid guy here, he's, he's walking around with somebody else's glasses. When did you get him? He says, two years, he's got somebody else's glasses. What kind of a stoop did they send him? Boy, they're sure getting some cases in the Army now. Thanks, <laughs> George. Hey, you stupid. You've been wearing these glasses two years? I said, well, I, I only put them on when he made me put them on. He said, what did he do to you? I said, well, I got a fantastic headache. He said, well, you're lucky your eyeballs didn't pop right out. He said, I don't know. He said, I don't know how this guy ever got in the Army that got these glasses here. He said, I don't know what, you know, whatever happened to Howard Shepard. Yeah, stupid. He started stamping it like that. He's <laughs> he stamping it all up. And he takes my glasses and he clipped the glasses with a, with a paper clip to this form. He said, all right. He said, okay. He said, sir. You're all set now. He said, uh, don't take any more glasses. He said, if you want some glasses, he says, I can give you some plain glasses. I can sign you. He says, you like glasses? Is that what your problem is? I says, no. They they told me to come down, and I took this exam. Oh, boy. He said, no wonder you're a PFC after all this time. <laughs> so I, I, I walk out into the sunlight. See, it, it was a fantastic weight off of my shoulders. I can't tell you. Because for two years, I knew that somebody was going to make me start wearing these glasses. I knew it. And I walked back to the to the motor pool, and I got a ride back to the company area. I walked into the first sergeant. you got to report to the first sergeant when you come back from the clinic, see? So I walked back, and instantly, he sees me coming in, see? He's, put them glasses on! Yes, stupid! I told you, put them glasses! I said, Sergeant, I'm sorry. I don't have glasses. They took my glasses away. Oh, yeah? Oh. He picks up the phone and he calls the clinic. You're not going to get away with that, Mac. Calls the clinic. <laughs> and he's talking to some PSCs. Yeah, the guy's named Shepard. You got his glasses down there? They got your glasses down. You left them down there, you stoop. Yeah, I got them here. Yeah, let's send them down. Yes, sir, Sergeant. But they're not my glasses. Oh, get out. They got your glasses down here, you stoop. He hangs up. The next day, my glasses arrived in the mail. And for another year, I carried those glasses at the bottom of my barracks bag. I don't know who Howard Shepard is, 
That poor guy <laughs> probably never saw anything for all the time he was in the Army. So that's the way it is sometimes. Now, that wasn't just the fact that the Army was stupid. It wasn't stupid. Somehow, you know, I got to enjoy it later on. I would tell the story about my glasses to other guys in the barracks, and it became the only funny story I told in the Army. And speaking of funny stories, don't forget, tomorrow, that's an assignment... Channel 13 here in New York, 8.30, 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., Channel 13, Gene Shepherd's America goes on the air, and you better be there. And one more note, you will like it. You hear that? Everybody in this company will enjoy that television show. That's an order.